And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Georgia Tech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10. And he scores! And he scores! Hey, everybody, great to have you along on another edition of Strong and Steel, the finest podcast, jam-packed with analysis, evaluation, information. You won't get it anywhere else as uh, we continue on our role with the uh, the Pac-12. Uh, this time we uh, hone in on the South Division right here on this Tuesday, July 25th, getting so much closer to the start of what's going to be an electrifying 2017 college football season. What makes Strong as Steel uh, the very best? We have the very best as far as that information and analysis that I was speaking of. Uh, Our very own Phil Steele, the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview for 2017. I know you have the very best magazine in the business open right now as you follow along as we get set to go through the Pac-12 South. Phil, how are you feeling on this fine Tuesday? You know, good, Michael. And uh, just to remind the listeners, this is our final or t- uh, the uh, of the podcast for the Power Five. Uh-huh. But you can go back and check out each and every one. So if you th- this is the first one you're listening to, just go to the archive, check out each and every one, and get yourself prepped for the season. I know you read the magazine already, but it's a, this is like the Cliff Notes version where you get to hear everything, and uh, you could even get it driving in your car. So make sure you check out each and every podcast now. And then if you like information, how about those group of fives? You can amaze your friends coming up mm-hmm. when we do the group of five conferences with the amount of information you get here on the podcast. No question. And, Phil, I'm a, I'm a, not, we're not going out on a limb. Uh, I don't think there's anyone – Anybody in the business is a college football uh, analyst team that's uh, going to present the kind of information we will. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of analysts that cover the game, uh, no names, of course, uh, are sure about uh, some of the schools, who they are and where they are, and coaches that comprise a Conference USA or a Mountain West or the American Athletic, uh, let alone be able to analyze it. So, yes, you're right. you got to stay right here on Strongest Steel as uh, we'll be getting into uh, the Group of Five uh, coming up uh, beginning uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, when we go through the American Athletic. Phil, though, uh, you're uh, now, a, you've been for years, been a part of the ESPN family, contributing uh, television, radio pieces, podcast pieces, and also at ESPN.com. But now you're full-time with it. Know you're excited about it. What can the, uh, the avid and the ardent college football fan get from you and find you with ESPN coming up this season. Yeah, and we've mentioned it on previous podcasts, uh, but just a reminder to you, ESPN Insider, I write the colleges, and this year I'll be writing up every NFL game on the uh, ESPN Insider. And if you go to ESPN.com slash Phil Steele, it'll take you right to that Insider section. And you might be thinking, I don't want to pay for all that. You know what, guys? It's $3.33 a month, a month. If you go to a ball game and get one beer, it's going to be double that. So we're we're not talking a lot of money, and yet you'll get all my college, all my NFL stuff on ESPN there. You get on ESPN.com. But you'll also get guys like me that follow the other sports, because I don't follow any other sport but football. And you'll get them to uh, uh, give you their expertise on all those sports. $3.33 a month. So when I put those things on Twitter and say, hey, get this article, and I get people going, oh, but it's on ESPN Insider, just make sure you pay the 333 per month and, and get yourself a great service throughout the entire year. But you'll also see me uh, naturally on sports centers, things like that during the course of the year. Uh, stark revelations from Phil Steele. But, you know, I'm going to let you kind of, this is my own little inside the press box.com for you. Um, I have been, now we know he goes 365 days a year, 25 hours a day with college football. <laughs> That's obvious. But I've been to a Major League Baseball game with Phil Steele. I've been to an NBA game 
with Phil Steele. So once in a while, the man lets his guard down and actually <laughs> gets some, some enjoyment uh, away from football. Not often, but once in a while. Right, Phil? Can't, can't tell you the players, though. <laughs> <I don't, yeah. laughs> that's, that's all right. Uh, his, you know, the, the, the baseball game, though, was in, in uh, concert with his, uh, his lovely young daughter, Savannah, and throwing a birthday party for her that I, I know she enjoyed very, very much. So I'll always remember our, our Major League Baseball experience with you and daughter Savannah, Phil. It was a fun one. It sure was, Michael. Yeah. All right. Let's get rolling here as we uh, head into now the Pac-12 South. Now, again, as Phil mentioned, if you miss the North and you're saying, well, wait a minute now. What about Washington? What about Stanford? Don't worry about it. It's it's archived for you. Go to iTunes.com. You can get each and every show. We started two weeks ago on uh, July the 10th with the SEC. So, you can get every show archive. You won't miss a thing. iTunes.com. And when you're there, we've got a spot for you to leave us a review. You know, what you think about the podcast, what you like, and what have you. And Phil and I and our producer, Jim Nabosna, who does such a terrific job in laying the shows out uh, for your enjoyment, we appreciate that. Give us a review, and we take it to heart. Let's start our reviews with the Pac-12 South, Phil. And yeah, I would I would categorize uh, a decent to solid first four seasons in Tucson, Arizona, for Rich Rodriguez, but that eroded to a three and nine 2016 for Rich Rod. So, oh, there's uh, maybe the seat's hot. We'll see what Phil Steele thinks about that in a moment. Phil, the offense just took a huge dip last year. Down to 24 points per game. Defense, that was spotty. They allowed 34 a game over the last nine of the year. Now, I look at year two. You and I always like to take a look at what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. This is year two for defensive coordinator Marcel Yates under Rich Rodriguez. He did. He had big success at Boise State. We know that. And uh, the Cats and Rich Rodriguez, they may all be on the hot seat in Tucson Phil, I don't know. They might need eight wins this year and a solid bowl game berth to start to maybe swing the momentum and the fortunes back that Rodriguez can continue to get the job done at the helm of the Wildcats. How do you see him in 16 or 17? Excuse me. You know, I think he basically just needs to get him to a bowl because, granted, they were 3-9 and nine last year, but in Rich Rod's first four years, they made a bowl game every year. And let's face it, it's Arizona. This is the only team that's playing in the uh, the Pac-12 right now. They were only uh, of the uh, since they expanded in 78 mm-hmm. that has not been to the Rose Bowl. So this is an Arizona team that needs to get there, but it's not like they have a rich tradition of winning the Pac-12. So I think a bowl would be enough to save Coach Coach Rich Rod's uh, job. And, you know, I get to talk to him every year. I haven't talked to him yet this year, so hopefully we'll squeeze that in before fall camps start. But last year, you mentioned the offense taking a dip, and a big reason for that was injuries. I mean, their quarterback unit got wiped out. A new Solomon began the year as starter, and then Brandon Dawkins came in. They used Khalil Tate at the quarterback spot. Uh, at one point, they even had Matt Morin uh, get in action there. Then you look at the running back spot. They began the year with some solid running backs like Nick Wilson and J.J. Taylor. Those guys got banged up, banged up, banged up. And all of a sudden, at the end of the year, they had to take a wide receiver in Samaji Grant and slide him into their starting running back spot. That's how banged up they were. And naturally, the offense suffered. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, last year, no real improvement. They allowed 38.3 points per game. And this year, when you look at them defensively, they have seven starters back. The big problem I see with Arizona defensively is the size up front. The defensive line was small. I mean, when you have a 247-pound nose guard, Michael, mm-hmm. I can tell you, talking to coaches, everybody wants that 300-pounder there. And That's 275 right. is considered a weakness. 247 at nose tackle? But they've got to be better. And they bring in a guy like... Uh, Sione Tuafahima, who comes in there as a, a Juco, who brings 310 pounds up front. They've got Luca Bruno, who's got 295 pounds. So they'll be a little bit bigger, still not overwhelming size-wise. And I don't think the defense is going to be overwhelming. Now, later we're going to talk about inside the press box. And I don't do it every week, but I have what I call a high-scoring game of the week. And those are 23-7 and seven 
uh, going against the Vegas number for over the total. Got a feeling Arizona's going to appear on that a few times this year because they have an explosive offense and they have a defense that has some question marks to it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm a, I'm a, I like Rich Rod. Uh, enjoy talking to him every year. So hopefully he can get to those six wins and get to a bowl game this year. Yeah, I listen. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a difficult task. I, I think we know that, Phil. And again, you mentioned the quarterback situation. I uh, all right. I'll give you that. That dip last year was uh, largely due to being injured. But you know, we t- uh, Phil, it was a two touchdown dip. Now, right? Averaging close to thirty eight points per game in fifteen, and dropped off to just under twenty five points per game last year. So we got to keep close tabs on that. When we look at the schedule, they uh, after Northern Arizona, the FCS squad, Houston at home at UTEP. Now, you know, don't know about the Cougs. We'll check in on them when we do the AAC, but without Tom Herman, we'll have to see. But, you know, then, then welcome in Utah on September 22nd to start, uh, to start uh, Pac-12 play. When we look at the South Point, the number for them is four and a half. Now, that that sounds low for Arizona, um, but when you peel back all the layers of the onion, Phil, I'm not so sure. They're going to have to come up with a couple of upsets. I see five, so I'm going to go over. What about you? Yeah, I think when you when you look at Arizona this year, they have a real good chance of opening three and zero. If they do, they'll be playing with a lot of confidence, and they've actually played pretty good against Utah. Uh, in recent years, in fact, the last five years are four and one against the Utes, uh, and they have that's a Friday night game at home, so they have the potential to get that one. Uh, and then you look at the rest of the schedule; they'll be an underdog at Colorado and UCLA. But the California game—I mean, Cal is in a rebuilding mode this year. Oregon State is at home. I think the potential is there enough for them to get uh, to over four and a half. And like I said, personally. I enjoy talking to Coach Rodriguez every year, and uh, so I hope he's around again next year. And so I'm going to go with over four and a half. What the heck? Yeah, I could he potentially be? And you did a column on this at uh, ESPN.com. Could he potentially be on your hot seat, Rich Rodriguez in Tucson? He is on my hot seat column on ESPN.com, so do make sure you check it out. I think I picked about 10 coaches, and ironically, Michael, it seemed like the next week when I was doing my coaches' interviews, every coach I was interviewing was somebody that made my hot seat list. So it uh, <laughs> makes, <for, laughs> makes it for a little iffy, but they're all good with it. Like when I talked to Coach Kingsbury at Texas Tech, he's like, hey, Phil, I understand, no problem. We're all on the hot seat if you're not Nick Saban. That's right. From the day you're hired, you're on the hot seat, day, right? right? I mean, if, it, if you run the college football program, you know, what's the old line? Uh, the day you get hired, you're one step closer to being fired, Phil. I mean, that's that's usually the norm. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how Rich Rodriguez handles this uh, in Tucson in 2017. We're going through the uh, Pac-12 South today here on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, my partner Phil Steele, and our producer Jim Nabosna. All right, Phil, let's uh, take that trek um, and head upstate in the uh, Grand Canyon state of Arizona. Same situation upstate in Tempe. As head coach Todd Graham now, he, he's got to bounce back too. Phil, six straight losses to close out 2016. And, you know, they're... Uh, their quarterback that they began the year with, uh, Manny Wilkins, now a junior, sophomore last year. He started 5-1-4, and then he, he was out for the year with an injury. Blake Barnett, Phil, real interesting name, transferring in from Alabama, could win the job. Started the Alabama opener against USC, as uh, we know last year. Phil will get into that in a moment. Phil, as we said, listen, you know, you know me. I'm, uh, I, I don't miss a lot of words. Kind of frank, as we said, this is big boy stuff. Phil, their defense is atrocious. Just atrocious, to be blunt. They allowed 40 points a game and 521 yards per last year. You and I could have done business uh, running, carrying, uh, catching, or throwing the football against Arizona State. Now, They've got six starters back, but, but Phil, I, they've got to be better. And I mean significantly better. Uh, the road schedule is daunting in the Pac-12. I know I'm not painting a real pretty picture in Tempe. What's Todd Graham going to do to uh, stay off the hot seat and keep his gig? 
Yeah, once again, head over to ESPN.com, check out the coaches on the hot seat list, uh, and you'll find Todd Graham's name is on there. He's definitely a coach on the hot seat. Remember, coming in, Coach Graham was all about this big talk, and he, he is actually another coach I enjoy talking to each and every year, but there's always been that big talk. You know what? We're not just here to win the South. We're here to win the Pac-12. We're here to be right. a national title contender, yep. and they had a couple of 10-win seasons, 13 and 14, but the last two years, six and seven, you know, they did make it to a bowl, and then last year, things opened up great. They were five and one, uh, looked like they were on the verge of being ranked, but then they got wiped out by injuries. In fact, at one point when they played Oregon on the road, they were missing 10 starters. Now, you only have 22 starters on your team. They were missing basically half of their starters when they went into Oregon. That's how banged up they were. A lot of those were on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, it, it really affected them. But here's the thing when I look at with the defense. They run a gambling, blitzing defense. And then Todd Graham's first two years, I mean, it, it caught folks by surprise. But they have actually risen defensively and given up more yards per game four straight years. They've gone from 351 to 372, 417, 464, and last year 521. Maybe teams are catching on to that blitzing style and able to take advantage of it. Now he's brought in the the usual crop of JUCOs this year. Usually takes JUCOs to his second year to be highly effective, but some of those JUCOs he brought in last year are now seniors. We'll see what they do. JoJo Wicker gives them some potential up front. Karan Crump gives them uh, potential at the devil position. DJ Calhoun is a solid Uh, Sam linebacker. They did lose Kareem Moore, a guy who uh, opted to transfer uh, in, I think it was June. Right. Uh, So, but not an overwhelming defense, but I clearly think they'll have an improved defense this year and be more middle of the pack. So that trend of allowing more yards four straight years, I think they go from allowing 521 yards per game. My computer says they drop it to 449 this year. And when you go along with that explosive offense, and Wilkins and Barnett gives them two capable QBs. Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj are two guys that are both explosive out of the backfield. The offensive line looks pretty good with guys like Quinn Bailey and Sam Jones up front. So the potential's there for Arizona State this year, and the potential better be there for Coach Todd Graham, who, as I mentioned, did make my coaches on the hot seat list. All right, Phil, though, uh, again, now, do you think Barnett wins the job? Blake Barnett started against USC in Alabama's opener, a couple of TD throws last year, and and then Jalen Hurts takes over, and he's gone and on his way to uh, to the desert. Does Barnett beat out Wilkins and win the job? I really believe it's a 50-50 thing right now because Wilkins gives you the mobility factor, and he's also a guy – that uh, I thought did a good job throwing the football last year. Remember, he got injured, came back, wasn't 100%, and, you know, got injured again. So he was far from 100% healthy, but still hit 63% of his passes last year. He is one of those mobile quarterbacks that can definitely hurt you on the ground. He's got decent size at 6'3", 197. So I don't think this is one of those slam dunk, hey, you're bringing in the transfer, he's going to start. Because Blake Barnett, a little bit more of a pocket quarterback. He does have good footwork, but he's got prototypical size. And uh, I think Wilkins gives you an ad, extra added dimension. So I, I think, you know, if you have a leaky offensive line, you may want Wilkins in there. If you have a okay. stronger offensive line, you may want Barnett. And I, I really think right now the job is wide open. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm hearing he's going to play them both. And uh, as you just pointed out, that would not be a surprise to you know, best take advantage if you're Todd Graham of both of those uh, differing skill sets that uh, that Manny Wilkins and Blake Barnett bring. Phil, we just mentioned downstate, uh, the South Point, not feeling real good about what could transpire with Arizona, had them at four and a half. Game to uh, the better of that, the total, uh, the win total is projected at five and a half out of South Point for Arizona State. They got to go to Texas Tech in week three, San Diego State at home in Tempe. Uh, we know San Diego State is uh, going to give you all they've got. And then, Phil, back-to-back Oregon and at Stanford to open Pac-12 play. Wow, got to get the 6-6, six and six, huh, to go over that. Mm. Tough call here for Todd Graham, who, as Phil said, he's got him on his hot seat this year. All right, Phil, because, uh, you know, I, I'm a coach's guy and always want to see the best for coaches and uh, know what kind of uh, work and effort they put in. I'm going to say over, but uh, they better win every one of them that they're expected to because they're going to be a dog in probably six of them, aren't they? 
Uh, I've got him a dog right now in five games. I've got a couple of toss-up games to also on All the right. schedule. So I, I think the five-and-a-half number is a legitimate number. Now, I got burnt by Arizona State last year, and it was due to the injury. I mean, they did open up five and one. I had them on my most improved list, so I was expecting a bowl game out of them last year, and I'm thinking, okay, I can mark that one off. They're five mm-hmm. and one. They're definitely making a bowl game. And then all of a sudden, missing 10 defensive starters at some points down the second half of the season, they came up short. But uh, these guys look good getting off the bus. I mean, there is athletic, physical talent on both sides of the football. Graham's doing a good job of recruiting. I know he can do a good job as a head coach, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt this year and go with over the five and a half. All right, I'll join you in that. And and again, it's um, you know uh, they're going to have to win every game that they're expected to, uh, the way I see it, or they're not going to have a shot. Can't have any slip-ups in those ones that uh, they are favored at and might need to pull a surprise along the way. All right, we're doing the uh, the Pac-12 uh, South today. We've just gone through the, the state of Arizona with Arizona and Arizona State. Time to Take a trek a little bit north into the state of Colorado and uh, check out a 10-win football team from a year ago. Real strong job in uh, 2016 from uh, Mike McIntyre and his Buffaloes of Colorado. Phil, they uh, they won uh, four in a row to close out 16. Uh, McIntyre's buffs, and that, that includes uh, at Stanford and UCLA in back-to-back weeks. They did get ripped 41 to to a 10 in that Pac-12 title game by Washington. Now, sophomore quarterback uh, Stephen Montez is going to take over at quarterback for the graduated uh, Sefo Lialfu. And the Buffs, uh, Phil, we saw them last year a lot. You, I, you and I had a lot of conversations about them offensively. They're explosive. They return their, their top seven receivers. And senior running back uh, Philip Lindsay too. Like the defense last year, Phil. You know, we were just talking about squads that give up close to 40 points a game and over 500 yards. Not Colorado, 21 points a game. And although the experience chart is going to drop this year, Phil, um, is it tough to assess Colorado and maybe until we get a game or two in? Or how are you and your computer forecasting Mac McIntyre's football team? Well, first of all, Mike McIntyre is one of the more underrated head coaches out there. I'll go back to when I started talking to him when he was at San Jose State his first year, and he was playing players on both sides of the football. That's how depleted they were. They had about 55 scholarship players, and he was training people at defensive back and wide receiver, defensive line, offensive line, just didn't have enough bodies. Then you look at the job he did at San Jose State. By the time it got to uh, his third year with the Spartans, all of a sudden they get to a double-digit win season, and just remarkable. He, of course, uh, is a coach's son. His dad, unfortunately, passed away recently, but uh, I, I think Coach McIntyre is one of the best head coaches uh, out there. And look at the job he did at Colorado. And you could point to the fact that when Coach McIntyre started here at Colorado, he opened up 2-25 and in conference play. Well, that's not very good, is it? But he stepped into a very poor situation, once again, a depleted situation at Colorado, had to build them up, and they had eight losses in Pac-12 play in 14 and 15 that were by seven points or less. So they could have been a lot better than their record indicated. Last year they were a junior-senior team. They had 20 three scholarship seniors, a veteran squad, and really made the strides. You talk about the defense. They had nine starters back on D, allowed just 343 yards per game. And offensively, uh, I thought they did well. They, they lost Sifo uh, Lufau a couple of times with injury, but Montez, after that poor Michigan game, and I watched that Michigan game closely. Remember, Colorado yes. beating Michigan on the road. Uh, Lufau goes down, and then they bring in Montez at the QB spot, and he looked like a deer in the headlights, Michael. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. And he didn't complete a pass. I believe it was 0 for 9 in that game. Right. The very next, right. very next week, he started against Oregon in Autzen Stadium. He was a completely different quarterback. I don't think he was completely prepared to take over in that game, but he was prepared after that. And really, when you look at Montez, he's a guy that is six foot five. He's 223 pounds. He's got the size. He looks like an NFL type of quarterback. And if you got McIntyre coaching you up, you're going to be solid. He's also a good leader. He's got tremendous supporting cast. I love Philip Lindsay, a running back. Bo Bishrat is another guy that uh, he brings a big power in there at 220 pounds. And they've got one of the best receiving cores in the country. In fact, I rate them number two. Devin Ross, mm-hmm. Bryce Bobo, Shea Fields, Jay McIntyre, uh, Jawan Winfrey, KB on Ento is a star of the spring. They're deep, very deep at receiver. The offense 
offensive line with Jeremy Irwin, uh, uh, Tim Lanat uh, up front. They have a veteran group of there. But uh, my question mark is on the defense. They only have three starters back this year. You know, I, earlier I talked about Washington having a great secondary. Colorado had one. They lose a couple of key players, although they've got players back like Isaiah Oliver. Uh, Ryan Moeller, Laguda are all guys that can step in there. So I, I think the the key is going to be McIntyre. I, I look for a step back. I don't think they're going to get to 10 wins this year. I don't think they're going to be in the Pac-12 title game like they were last season. But we're not taking step back to 2015 or 14 when they had two and four wins. So this is a, now a bowl caliber team, a much stronger team. Experience wise, they're not there, but I think they'll they'll play better than expected. Yeah, you met top seven receivers are back, Phil. So that might help to ease and smooth out the uh, the waters for uh, that uh, that big QB. As we talk about Stephen Montez, who did have some um, some accuracy issues a year ago. Though Phil alluded that <laughs> Phil alluded to the Michigan game, though Phil, and we did watch that closely. If you recall in that one, though, uh, Doctor Blitz Don Brown when he saw Montez come in the football game. Wow, it looked like Michigan had 14 or 15 on the football field the way they came after him, correct? So, you know, I mean, a growing and learning experience with those receivers back. I like McIntyre like you. I like what they can do offensively. That should help carry them. Fill the over-under from South Points at 7.5. I say they get to 8. I'll go over that for Mike McIntyre and the Buffs. How do you see it? I'm not wild about the schedule for Colorado this year. They draw both uh, Washington uh, and USC at home, which means if they don't win those games, then their five Pac-12 road games at UCLA, at Washington State, at Arizona State, at Utah could very well be an underdog in them. In fact, when I look at their schedule this year, Michael, I think they're an underdog in six games uh, getting into the year. So with that said, uh, I see a drop this year from 10, but uh, I'm actually going to go under 7.5. But okay. uh, the, the negative part for me is I got so much respect for Coach McIntyre. I think he's one of the best in the business. Always gets his team to play better than the pieces. And, you know, as mentioned, there are good pieces there. So I, I could see your your point there, but I'm going to lean with the under. Okay. Uh, I look at it this way, Phil. I, I got a four-week portion of the schedule that I've really kind of honed in on. And at at UCLA, then get Arizona at home, but then at Oregon State and at Washington State. Now, that's three road games in four weeks, last day of September, first three Saturdays of October. Now, to me, though, again, I listen, I they, they can go win a couple of those games. You know, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they won at UCLA, want, should win at Oregon State and at Washington State. Not easy. But, again, if they can bag a couple of those, I think they will that's why I see with Arizona at home sandwiched in there. That's why I'm, they get three of those, Phil. They'll go over that seven-and-a-half number and get to eight. And in a solid bowl game if they get to nine. Yeah, the potential is definitely there. And if anybody's going to get it done, it would be Coach McIntyre. Yeah, no doubt about that. Okay, so that is the story for the uh, the Colorado Buffaloes. And, again, it's uh, – it's it's a squad that you got to keep your eye on during the course of 2017. And I'm going to give you want to go see the Colorado Buffaloes play. Maybe you want to check out uh, that that opener against in-state Colorado State on Friday, September 1st in Denver at uh, the the home of the Broncos. I got just the way to do it. I get asked all the time. What's the best, most efficient way to buy tickets for all college football games, every sporting event and even concerts? Theater SeatGeek. That's right. The good folks at SeatGeek, they are the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want. Hey, here's the best part. At the prices you want. That's right. You can buy and sell tickets to the events that you want to go to. You can do it on your mobile device. It's real simple. That's how I did it. Just a couple of taps and you get the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed, which allows you to see your favorite college football squad. That uh, that musician, that great entertainer you want to see on stage. I'm all set to go check out Bruno Mars in August. Good folks at SeatGeek got me there. Like uh, I will do, you should do as well. And the best part about SeatGeek, and this applies to you. Check this out, you wonderful Strong as Steel podcast listeners. I'm going to save you even more time and money, courtesy of our good friends at SeatGeek, right? You want the experience fully? Go to the app right now, SeatGeek.com. Why? Our Strongest Steel listeners get 20 bucks off. 
That's right. $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase because you're a strong as steel listener. The folks at SeatGeek value you because you they know you're among uh, the elites in listeners to podcasts. They're going to help you out. Download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, and you get that 20 bucks off, no muss, no fuss, your first purchase. Got to be front and center at the events you want, prices you want, the seats you want to be in. Got to do it at SeatGeek. Check them out, SeatGeek.com. All right, great to have you along, everybody. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. We're rolling through the Pac-12 South today. Uh, we have uh, touched on Arizona, Arizona State, and the Colorado Buffaloes. Time to head now to the state of California for our next two stops. We start out in Los Angeles. Now, most Phil Steele tabbed uh, the UCLA Bruins to win the Pac-12 South last year. They began the year 3-3, three and three, and that more importantly, they lost QB Josh Rosen. He made 13 starts as a true frost. He really burst on the scene. NFL guys salivating over Drew Rosen. Uh, six starts last year before that injury uh, took him down. He's healthy, hoping to have a huge, uh, with Phil, we got it could be his final year in Los Angeles uh, with the uh, with head coach Jim Mora Jr., never less than eight wins for Mora Jr. until the slip to four and eight without Rosen for the final half of 2016. Uh, Phil, I, we got to start right there for Jim Mora Jr. Does getting Rosen back healthy alone, in and of itself, and hopefully staying upright for all the 17, improve the fortunes at UCLA? Yeah, I think it definitely does improve the fortunes, but uh, keep in mind their run game was pathetic last year. Uh, when you look at UCLA, they switched the offense. They went away from the spread to more of a pro-style offense. Rosen had never even operated in a pro-style offense before, but the thing that really surprised me is they couldn't run the football. I mean, on the season, they averaged 84 yards per game running, mm. 2.9 yards per carry. A lot of games last year, uh, they, they didn't even top the 2.0 mark of running the football, so that's a concern for me. They're going to need to get better running, uh, better run game to help Rosen out. But, uh, you know, when I look at UCLA overall, I mean, here's a team that, as you touched on, they opened up 3-3 three and three last year. They were basically three plays away from being 6-0, and oh, though. They had the, uh, the tight overtime loss to Texas A&M. The Stanford loss was a game they were leading. Now, I know they lost by nine, but they were leading with, uh, I think, 13 seconds to go in a game. Stanford scored a touchdown, and then they sacked Rosen and returned a fumble for a touchdown. So one of the big misleading finals of the season. Then the Arizona State game, a tough three-point loss on the road in a game. They lost Rosen in the second quarter and still nearly pulled it out. Uh, later, they, the next game, they lost to Washington State with a backup quarterback. So I think Rosen will have the fortunes improved. Second year of the offense, I think you're going to see guys like Jamambo and uh, – uh, Bolu Olafunmi uh, should, should have Very a much nice. better year running the football. Nate Starks <laughs> is there. And then you look at the receiving core, solid offensive line. That's where they should have the biggest improvement this year. They've got guys like Scott Quisenberry at the, the center spot. And defensively, they look pretty good as well. So I, I've got UCLA on my most improved list this year. Uh, and I, I think they'll have a much improved team. All right, so Phil's got him down on that most improved list, which usually plays out true to form. The gang at South Point, Phil, they set uh, the over-under for Jim Moore and his football team. And again, remember, I mean, the key after that 3-3 three and three start last year was, of course, uh, losing uh, Josh Rosen, their quarterback. So UCLA is right at 7 this year from the gang at South Point. Phil, uh, that rematch with Texas A&M to start at this time at home. Now, after Hawaii and the Rainbow Warriors at home, Phil, they got to go to Memphis. A long trip, and uh, we'll get a football team that knows how to, how to ring the bell offensively and then go to Stanford. Um, I'm going to go – I really feel seven. It's going to land right on the number, but I won't do that. I'll always make a call. I'm going to give an edge in uh, picking up possibly an upset win somewhere along the way. I'll see and say UCLA gets the eight. I'll go over and uh, gets more back to a bowl game uh, that he wasn't able to achieve in 60. Yeah, and when I look at him, I mean, the, the Pac-12 schedule, brutal, with at Stanford, at Washington. In fact, they're the only team in the South that draws both Stanford and Washington out of the North. 
and Washington as a bye the week before that. They also have to play Utah on the road on a Friday the week after playing Washington, and then later have to travel to face USC. Not much of a trip, granted, same city, but uh, still a, a road game for them against one of the best teams in the country. I think that A&M game and that game against Memphis are probably the keys to the season. If they can get two wins there, then yes, they go over the total. If they don't win those games, and let's say they open up one and two, they have no chance of going over the total with their road schedule. But I'm, I'm going to be bullish on UCLA this year. I think we see a completely different team. We see a team that could have been 6-0 and to start the season last year. And uh, I think Coach Moore gets it done this year. I put him on my hot seat list, but he's mm-hmm. one coach I expect to be off the hot seat list by the end of the year. I'm going to go with over the total. All right, me too. So we're in concert on that. Uh, how about that, though? Three of the four head coaches in the uh, Pac-12 South, with the exception of Mike McIntyre, that we touched on at Colorado, Phil has on his hot seat. So that's going to make it a most interesting watch in uh, the uh, Southern Division of uh, the Pac-12. Now, let's stay in Los Angeles. And by the way, uh, you can archive every one of our Strongest Steel shows. You haven't missed anything. Go to iTunes.com. We have a, uh, a, a comment box reaction from you to review. And uh, give us a quick little note. Let us know uh, how you're feeling about Strongest Steel. And uh, believe us, we take it into heavy consideration as you archive and listen to all the shows when you're driving, when you're getting ready for work in the morning. Uh, you'll be able to dazzle all of your college football friends, and you do that uh, with Archive Strong as Steel Shows, iTunes.com. Staying in L.A., Phil, now we talk about uh, slow starts. How about one in three for the men of Troy, the Trojans of USC? But, Phil, that morphed into nine consecutive wins to finish 2016, that huge road win. Uh, on a Friday night at in Seattle at Washington in November, capped off by the wild, and I mean wild, 52-49 to 49 Rose Bowl win over Penn State. Sam Darnold. Wow, Phil Steele. I say wow with an exclamation point. The sophomore QB now, he was electrifying. Now, Max Brown started the first three. Darnold started that 31-27 loss, Phil, at Utah, and that was uh, the men of Troy's final blemish of the year. They finished ranked number three uh, in the final polls. All believe that offense is uh, replete with Darnold at the helm. National championship, Phil, that's a stated goal for the men of Troy this year. They're talent-laden, and maybe more importantly, Clay Helton has huge respect. His players wanted him. They got him. They've delivered for him. Are they legitimate national championship contenders, Phil? Uh, yes, they are. And they're the clear-cut favorites in the South this year. And, and you know, when you look at USC last year, uh, coming into the season after I talked to Coach Helton in the spring, the biggest question mark he had for the team was the inexperience on the defensive line. Well, if you're inexperienced on the defensive line, probably the last three teams you want to face early in the season are the run games of Alabama, Stanford, mm-hmm. and Utah, and all three away from home. So that's a brutal schedule. I remember they opened up one and three with that blowout loss to USC, 52-6. to National pundits were saying, who's the next coach at USC? Coach Helton is gone, has no chance of being there. End of the season, as you touched on, defensive line matured. In fact, if you watch that Washington game on the road, I thought their defensive line outplayed Washington's offensive line as well as USC's offensive line outplaying Washington's defensive line. So I thought they dominated the game on both sides of the line of scrimmage, won the game on the road. Nobody wanted to play USC at the end of the year. They were one of the teams where I think if you're in the playoffs, you're like, oh, I hope USC doesn't get voted in. Yes, they didn't make it. We (laughs) got a better shot at winning the national title. And as you touched on, Sam Darnold's a guy who – uh, was inserted at the QB in that fourth game against Utah. They didn't win that one, but they did win the final nine. He's got everything he wants. He's 6'4", 226, can make all the throws. He's mobile, a dangerous runner. And the thing I like about him, Michael, is watching a lot of games this summer. And uh, I've watched, I think, about six USC games. And a common theme in the USC games is Sam Darnold, under pressure, about to go down. It mm-hmm. looks like he's throwing a football away, and boom, right between the numbers. That's why this guy looks like the first-round draft pick, uh, the number one pick of the next year's draft. Uh, this is a very talented uh, USC team, and I, I think that they will be favored in all 12 games this year. Ooh, favored in each and every one of them. So uh, that 
you know, they know they're the hunted this year. They like it that way. I think, you know, with uh, that cast of uh, uh, A-plus listers, Phil, from the entertainment world, all of us on the USC sidelines, they, they, I, they relish all of that attention. They want to be looked upon as a national championship squad. And, boy, I agree with you last year. Had they gotten in, uh, look, we don't know because they didn't play them, but, you know, whether uh, it would have been uh, Wash, excuse me, uh, Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State, I'd have favored USC against any of the three of them, and I believe they would have ultimately won it. So uh, the total this year uh, for Clay Helton and his squad out of uh, out of South Point, as we do all the win totals, well, the total fill uh, certainly reflects that for USC as it's sitting at ten. So like we've said, with all the blue buds, that gives you one slip up if you want to go over that. They're going to be favored in all 12. Phil Steele, I say they run the table and go 12-0 and uh, bouncing into the uh, college football. Make it 13-0 and after they win the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game. That's how big of a believer I am on this football team. As I said, just abounds with talent. Uh, can they do a 12-0? and You see it that way? Yeah, I'm surprised the number's not 10.5 even on uh, USC with the fact that they will be favored in every game this year. So I'm clearly leaning with the over. Okay. That's the over, says uh, Phil there, which certainly would make them, if they do that, they we will see them uh, come um, New Year's Eve in one of the two college football playoff uh, semifinals. Uh, Sam Darnold, though, this is his third year, Phil. He can come out after this year. If he duplicates what he did a year ago, I, I think it would be you'd be hard pressed to say that he needs to stay another year, huh? Yeah, and I mentioned he'd be the number one pick in the draft, and uh, if he's the number one pick in the draft, you got to go. Yep, absolutely. All right, that's the story uh, for the Trojans of USC. Phil and I both see them as uh, a real, real good uh, bet to be in the college football playoff this 17th season. Uh, to find out more about that, though, and get Phil's assessments, you've got to get inside the pressbox.com. Phil, it's a part of uh, philsteel.com. There's so many ways, offshoots of philsteel.com, that uh, newsletter that keeps everybody exactly with all the information they want. Tell everybody more about uh, how to get a hold of inside the pressbox.com from you. Yeah, you can call our offices at 866-918-7711. That's 866-918-7711. Or go to InsideThePressBox.com. And if you go to InsideThePressBox.com, you get sample newsletters. I've talked in previous podcasts, and I'm sure you're listening to them all, so I won't repeat the same stuff over and over. Tons of information, but also the selections are something people come back for. I like the upset play of the week. I pick an underdog every week, which I think and went out right. How about 24 and 12, 67%. Uh, over the last three years. Uh, in the colleges, uh, the games that I, I isolate as maybe the top games of the week, 57%, the NFL 59%. So do make sure you get a great information-laden newsletter. It's just 189 for the college, 189 for the NFL. Bowls and playoffs are 89 You can get all three for just 289 and then any of those packages. Take 20 bucks off if you type in the code word football. That's code word football. You are not sufficiently ready for a college football season unless you do. Get inside the pressbox.com just to, just to continue. It's an offshoot. And uh, we like, uh, we know you're honed in. You have your Phil Steele's college football preview magazine with you. We know you're an ardent listener to our podcast here as strong as steel. So go with the trifecta. Get inside the pressbox.com. And away you go. We continue on our final stop uh, here with the the Pac-12 Southern Division on this Tuesday, July 25th. Uh, 28 and 11, Phil, for Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Three consecutive bowl wins. Now they play bowl control, run the football effectively, and then they use that real stout defense of theirs to win football games. That's Kyle Whittingham's M.O., it's worked for him tremendously. Here's the deal, though, Phil. It's sure looking like that philosophy, offensively, is going to change in 2017. You've got a new OC, Troy Taylor, who excelled at FCS uh, Eastern Washington last year. Pass game dominant offense. Now, the Lutes are going to look different, Phil. Now, as we said, there's no question about that. 
Uh, but are they going to be able to hang with the big boys in the Pac-12 with the change of offensive philosophies, I would imagine, geared to what they feel their talent would suggest? Yeah, and the change definitely concerns me this year because, as you touched on, Kyle Whittingham is in his 13th year. The record Michael threw out there was over the last three years. He's done amazingly well. And uh, here's a guy that's lived on defense, special teams, and a conservative offense. I like the tight ends in the offense. I like the fact that they had the fullback in the offense. And it's something teams find it tough to compete with. But the big change this year is switching to the spread offense. And they are going full-blown spread. So whether it's Troy Williams at QB, whether it's Cooper Bateman, they bring in Troy Taylor from Eastern Washington. We talked about that school before. He was the offensive coordinator there. And he comes in, and they're switching to the Eastern Washington offense. So that's going to be interesting. They're going to run more plays. They're going to throw the football more. That also means your defense can be on the football a little bit more. So we'll see how that goes. Defensively, there are some players like uh, Loa Lotalele at the uh, the defense tackle spot. Mocha Fisi's up front. Kylie Fitz is up front. I think they've got one of the best defensive lines in the country. In fact, they rank them number seven. I've got them the number 25 linebacking core in the country. Uh, a couple of questions in the secondary as they lose uh, uh, three starters out of the secondary. But they do have ex-QB Chase Hansen back for another year at strong safety. So they should be in decent shape. The schedule doesn't do them any favors. They draw the top four teams out of the north. They do get most of their south teams, though, that they face at home. And uh, I'm sort of confounded on this one a little bit, uh, Michael, because, you know, I'll go back to Toledo. I remember when Tom Umstead took over, they had run that defense special Mm -hmm. teams prior to him taking over. He says, we're just going to switch to the spread. I'm like, how dumb is that? This guy is (laughs) taking them from the strength that they're at. And this guy's a defensive coordinator. He switched him to the spread. And the reason he did that is the one defense he didn't like to face was the spread. He thought it gave him the most troubles. Boom, Toledo had amazing success under Tom Umstead. So will that happen for Kyle Whittingham, or will the change be too drastic this year and they go through a little bit of a rebuilding year? We'll find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. You know, Phil, we were just talking about how about Nick Saban? He's, he's got quarterbacks everywhere that leave his Alabama yeah. program, right? I mean, we were just talking about Blake Barnett. Now uh, we, you know, with Kyle Whittingham in Utah, now you're taking a look at Cooper Bateman is there. I, you know, I don't know if he's, uh, if he's going to really threaten to play. So Barnett and Bateman now, uh, left Alabama. They've got, uh, opportunities in the Pac 12. Uh, kind of amazing. We look at Utah. They got to go to be what's U- less amazing, Michael. Yeah. Is that last year, two ex Purdue quarterbacks were starting in the SEC. So That's right. <laughs> it's just, yeah, right. the, yeah, right. the graduate transfer thing has really been amazing, uh, overall. And it keeps us in, in, especially in the month of June, Phil. I know sometimes you and I come in here in the office and what graduate transfers quarterback and at what new program today, right? I mean, there's, there's that many that seemingly, uh, they go, uh, each and every May, June and make a move. So, all right, we'll see how all that plays out. Phil, I was starting to touch at BYU on uh, September 9th for Utah, of course. And that uh, that big one uh, around Salt Lake City, uh, they got to go to USC. They got to go to Washington. They got to go to Oregon. They get Stanford right before USC at home. Well, uh, it sounds like it could be a daunting task with the philosophy and the system changing, as we said, uh, Phil. But uh, it's reflected in how the uh, the guys at the South Point see it. Five and a half is a total for Utah. Well, I'm going to go over that. I, You know, I, I'll say Kyle Whittingham could get the six, even with that tough road schedule, just because of, uh, you know, how he's established his program. Although I'll give you that this drastic change offensively, uh, you're going to have to keep a real close eye on it to see how it unfolds. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you look at Utah, you touch on the fact they're probably going to be – I think they'll be an underdog at BYU when they play them, even though they've had the mastery of BYU – Mm-hmm. Uh, in in recent years, uh, they've beaten them so many straight games, but I think that that could very well come to an end uh, week two. They have to play Stanford at home. They'll be an underdog there uh, because I, I do think Stanford's a loaded team this year. I think they'll be an underdog at USC, uh, no doubt about that. I think they're an underdog in Autzen Stadium against Oregon and also at Washington. So they're going to have to take care of business in those other games, knock off a of UCLA on a Friday, which they do have a good advantage for, with a total at 5.5. And, and in the magazine, I project all the bowl games out there. 
Right. I'm projecting Utah to get to the Cactus Bowl against Kansas State. So I'll let you answer that, Michael. Which way do you think I'm going? I'm going. Uh, I'm going to say then you got to be going over. You got to at least see a six and six then for Kyle Whittingham's crew. Correct. That's right. Yeah. Um, they're going to again. I the. Normally, we just say, well, well. first of all, if probably without the philosophy change offensively, the drastic philosophy change, it wouldn't be a five and a half that uh, the gang at South Point puts out. But uh, we're going to have to see how this starts and how they adapt to that. And But Kyle Winningham, I mean, Phil, you look at the win totals. I mean, you mentioned uh, 13th year now in uh, in Salt Lake City. But the last three years, 9, 10, and 9 on the win total side, He's a guy that uh, he's won all three of those bowl games that he's played in the last three years. So I believe in Winningham, so I'm going to go over that 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 five and a half. But um, you're, boy, selling him tell- short. you're selling him short saying he's only won his last three bowl games. He's 10 and one in bowl games. Sure. One of the best head coaches out there as yep. far as uh, preparing a team for a bowl game. Yep, we both like them, so we'll uh, we'll see if uh, Utah can uh, project to getting to that that Cactus Bowl that Phil speaks of, and that's uh, make sure you check out all of the uh, projected bowl matchups uh, that Phil has uh, laid out. He uh, projects every one of them, gives you the teams he think will thinks will participate, and of course the uh, Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. Phil, that is uh, the uh, the run of the Pac-12. I, I do think when we uh, we discuss USC and we discuss Washington, too legitimate, as we've gotten through the uh, Pac-12 the last couple of days here on Strongest Steel, legitimate college football playoff hopefuls. Uh, I would imagine that uh, there is your Pac-12 championship game, right? And one of them is going to get there. Yeah, I would think that uh, I think there's three teams capable of getting there, and USC, Washington, and Stanford, and whoever wins the Pac-12 this year, I think will make the playoffs. All right, uh, that is uh, straightforward and yet uh, right to the point, as uh, as Phil and I both see it here on uh, Strongest Steel. Phil, that's going to do it for our look at the Pac-12. Uh, Phil, we have finished now the uh, the Power Five uh, tomorrow when we get together on uh, Wednesday. July 26th, we're going to start the group of five with the American Athletic Conference. Been some coaching changes there. That'll be interesting. Great stuff today, Phil. Uh, Rest up, and uh, let's get ready to go as we venture through the group of five for the next week or so. How's that? Sounds great, Michael. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, The preeminent uh, college football analyst, that's why you're here with us, is Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. Uh, Hopefully you can find one if you don't have it. But if you don't have it, you better make sure that you run out and uh, and do that. Uh, They're available at uh, many of uh, the finer retail outlets uh, in your area. So we'll see you tomorrow. As we get set to roll through the group of five, it starts with the American Athletic Conference. That'll do it for us on this edition of Strongest Steel for Phil Steele and our producer, Jim Nabosna. I'm Michael Regai. Have yourself a wonderful college football day, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on our next edition of Strong as Steel. Till then, so long, everybody.